and welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're talking with Nancy Beach, who's the program director for a massive church over in Chicago in the United States called Willow Creek Community Church. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you very much, Matt. It's good to be with you. Now, I should firstly ask, uh, you've just been doing seminars around Australia. What do you think of Australia? Uh, this is about my fifth trip to your country, and I love Australia. That's why I came back. Uh, I think you're some of the most friendly people I've met in the world, and I think it's a place of great beauty, too. Now, Willow Creek Community Church is probably one of the most influential, fastest-growing churches around the world. Amazing uh, creative arts ministries, which you head up. Tell us some of the stats. Tell us a little bit about the story of Willow Creek. Well, the church actually grew out of a youth group. Um, when I was in high school at my parents' church, a guy named Bill Hybels came to be our youth pastor. And uh, th- in three years, that youth group really exploded and grew. And we started to care about our friends who were far from God and our friends that we hoped would get to know Jesus the way we did. And so we simply uh, began inviting them. And that whole ministry really grew. And after about three years, Bill uh, felt led to start a church, a church for big people, (laughs) for adults. And so um, he didn't uh, necessarily demand that any of us come with him, but he just felt like about 30 minutes away, he was going to um, begin the the process of planting a church. And uh, we started in a movie theater. Uh, in a suburb of Chicago, um, started with less than 100 people, um, most of them very, very young. And um, the church has just grown over time. It's a church that from the very beginning decided to devote its Sunday mornings to making sure that anybody, no matter where they're at in their spiritual journey, would feel welcome. And uh, how did you get involved? Did you start out uh, as a youth leader or a creative arts leader? What, what did you uh, first do in the church? I was a volunteer who was always interested in the arts, and so I went to our pastor and I said, you know, do you think we could maybe have some drama connected to uh, your message? And he had no idea what I was talking about, but um, we just started to experiment and figure out how to use that art form. But I've always loved all kinds of artists. And uh, over time, after a few years of the church, uh, I came on staff to be the leader of the arts ministry, which would include uh, music and dance and drama, video, um, and you know the visual arts, and then also all the technical artists. I've seen plenty of drama um, performances, plenty of great musical items, plenty of great uh, audio-visual presentations that Willow Creek has done, and it is just a real spirit of excellence, and it's really just top-quality stuff. How important is that to you at your church? Well, you know, it's been a value, Matt, uh, since the very beginning, and um, I think it's important, though, to define excellence because people have a lot of confusion what it really means. It doesn't mean perfectionism, and it doesn't even mean that something has to be expensive or complicated. Uh, We define it as doing the best you can with what you have. So when we began, um, we were all volunteers, and we weren't very experienced, and I look back at the quality of those early years, and it it wasn't great, but it was the best that we could do, and we just kept trying to get a little bit better every week, and uh, that's still uh, our philosophy. We just say we want to give God our best. He deserves it, and uh, when we make mistakes, which we often do, let's learn from them and then uh, try to improve and get better next week. You have uh, Saturday night services and Sunday morning services and all sorts of midweek things. How many people all up go to Willow Creek now? Uh, On the average weekend, including the children, there would range between 17 and 20,000 or so. And then we have a midweek service, as you mentioned, that's usually between 5 and 7,000 adults. That's just adults uh, on Wednesday night. But the majority of people go on the weekend. Now, with such a big church, I've heard you talk about how 
important community is that you have you know small groups and uh, how do you keep in contact with everyone in church that size well you know in any church even a church of a hundred or less you can't know everybody and so i think a big church can feel very small if you begin to intentionally move towards a few folks either from your neighborhood or people you serve with um at our church people often know right where they're going to sit and they go find their friends who sit in the same area so a really big church can seem quite small if you try and you move forward to interrelationship um you step up and say hey i'd like to serve and pretty soon you're developing friendships and it doesn't seem like such a big place anymore now when you've got about twenty thousand people you can really make an impact on your community and on the nations of the world and i know that uh, willow is very uh, passionate about reaching out with acts of compassion tell us about some of the stuff that's been happening there well, you know, uh, there are needs. We have some uh, needs locally, of course. We're in the Chicago area. We have a food pantry, and that serves people who are unemployed or have come on hard times. Um, so that's something that we supply regularly. We have a cars ministry, for example, when people uh, finish up with an automobile and it's not, you know, it's still usable. And instead of trading it in, um, many of them will donate those cars. And we have mechanics who volunteer their time fix the cars, make sure they're in tip-top shape, and then give them to single moms or people who, who have need for a car. We have all different kinds of pastoral care ministries and, and our work locally. But then we also have work um, in Latin America and in the third world because oh, we believe that you know this severely under-resourced are in the, in the third world. And um, so we would have teams that would serve in the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica. Um, we have some partner ministries there. And then in recent years, we've really got involved in the AIDS crisis, particularly in South Africa. And uh, my husband oversees that area of ministry. Um, in fact, he's there right now um, in Africa. And we have sent both volunteers, but also literally millions of dollars to try to help some partner ministries there that are serving AIDS orphans and that are trying to help the, the local churches serve families who have been so victimized by this terrible disease. And on that topic, I noticed that your senior pastor, Bill Hybels, has interviewed Bono from you too recently. Uh, tell us about that connection. Well, actually, I got to go along. So we, together we went to Dublin, Ireland with um, our pastor and his wife and myself. And um, that was a fascinating experience because, uh, you know, I, I was so uh, inspired by Bono's passion for the poor. Here's a guy who has worldwide influence, who certainly has plenty to do. And um, he's definitely prophetic through his music, and he sings a lot about these issues. But in addition to that, he takes extra time. He meets with heads of state, with anyone who will listen and he leverages his influence to try to make a difference and reduce the debt of these nations as well as contribute to a campaign to, to really get involved and behind the fight against poverty and AIDS. And uh, you can't be with him more than five minutes without saying, hey, you know, I got to get more involved and, and contribute more because if this guy is this excited and, you know, he just, he just really believes that it's not an option to stand by and do nothing, even though the needs are so much greater and we'll never be able to solve all these these terrible issues um we can make a dent we can help a few people and that's uh, basically what he's asking all of us to do now uh there's also a very strong uh leadership principle that comes out of willow creek and i know that every year the leadership summit uh is broadcast all around the world uh tell us a bit about the leadership summit and how that came to be and, and how important it is that people go along to things like that 
Well, you know, I know I don't know if this is um, popular among everyone, but um, we just really believe that a church is as strong as its leaders. And uh, some people are afraid of the leadership gift. They're afraid someone's going to become autocratic or controlling. Um, but the Bible teaches that one of the gifts that God does give to a few people is the gift of leadership. And he says if you have that gift, um, we're supposed to lead with diligence. We're supposed to lead with care, um, shepherd God's people with humility, and serve them. So the summit really grew out of Bill's passion to develop the leadership gift in people and to help all of us get better. And he's a learner himself. He's always reading about leadership. He's always asking questions and finding experts in leadership. And what we decided to do was bring literally worldwide experts in various areas of leadership to a conference. There's usually nine or ten main sessions, and it's just an equipping time. And it's now broadcast, like you say, there's um, the Global Leadership Summit reaches uh, this year we're hoping about 70,000 people will attend, and it's, it's quite staggering, um, but we really believe that as we develop this gift and as leaders get stronger, then local churches will get stronger. Now, Nancy, you also uh, teach and preach at Willow Creek in front of 20,000 people regularly, so you're obviously uh, uh, not backwards and coming forwards. Uh, you shared about a couple who came to hear uh, one of your messages on forgiveness. Do you want to tell us that story? Sure. Um, I was teaching about the freedom of forgiveness, and I think I underestimated what an issue it is for so many people. Um, When we carry around resentment and bitterness against someone, um, the reason Jesus told us to to try to forgive and let go, no matter what the other person does, is because he knew that otherwise it would eat us up inside. And that's what we were teaching about. And afterwards, we have a place um, out in our lobby area, area where people can come and greet the pastor, ask questions, whatever. And I was there for a long time after these services. And one couple came up to me named uh, Frank and Mary. And they told me that um, they had been married for 17 years, and then six years ago they were divorced. And uh, Frank came about a year after the divorce to our divorce recovery ministry. And um, honestly, he came to meet other women. That's what he told me. (laughs) He heard there were a lot of single women there. So he came and uh, began a process where he realized that he didn't know Jesus Christ uh, in a personal way. He didn't have a relationship with him. He had gotten confused between religion and relationship. And so um, he discovered that that's available to anybody. And so he began to uh, grow in his understanding of that and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And over time, he and Mary continued continued to dialogue because they had two sons um, who are now 15 and 18. And uh, she was quite hurt um, by Frank, and they had both you know, made a lot of mistakes in their relationship. But she began to also attend divorce recovery. They went to marriage counseling. Um, and the week before I was to teach, um, they didn't know anything about what the subject was going to be that day. But Frank had called Mary and said, will you meet me at church? And um, she said, sure. And that morning, he went early, wrote a two-page letter to her, basically admitting all the things very specifically that he had done wrong in the relationship and asking her if she would forgive him. And he gave her the letter um, after the service. During the service itself, Mary was very convicted. Um, That means, you know, God was working inside of her. She was she was realizing that she hadn't completely forgiven Frank and that it was time for her to do that, to let go of the wounds of the past. And so after the service, Frank gives her this letter and then he gets down on his knees and he asks her if she will marry him again. And actually, he even had a ring with him. And she said yes. And they came to um, tell me about this and then they asked me if I would perform their 
marriage ceremony. And it was deeply moving because their two sons walked their mom down the aisle um, to Frank. And uh, this is a family starting over, getting a do-over. And it just reminded me that we all get a do-over. You know, that God is in the business of do-overs. He wants to give us a second chance. And this couple now has a, a chance to write the story differently and um, start again and, and create a relationship that will really honor God. Wow, what a great story. Now, Nancy, there might be people listening now that are thinking, you know, I'm so far away from God and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get closer to God. What would you say to those people if they asked you that now? I guess the first thing, Matt, that I would say is that they have no idea how much God loves them. You know, we have a God that um, pursues us and he says, anytime, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can come home. You can come home to me and all you have to say is help that little four letter word you know and god says that if we come to him with a with a heart that says i know i've done wrong i know i've messed up um would you please forgive me he is so quick to forgive he wants to wipe the slate clean he wants to help us start over and he wants to have a personal relationship we've gotten so confused many of us by religion And what I'm talking about is not religion, it's not rules, it's not about any of that. It's about a personal relationship with God made possible through Jesus. And uh, when that happens, we can begin to have a growing kind of life, a life that says, you know what, I don't have to be bitter, I don't have to be uh, a person who speaks lies, I don't have to be unfaithful, I can learn with the help of God to be transformed from the inside out. And it's a process, you know, but it begins with grace. That's what it's all about is with God just saying, you know what, I paid the price for your mess ups um, by sending my son to hang on a cross for you. That's been done. And all I'm asking you to do is receive that gift and acknowledge that you need it, you know, and then we can begin a journey together. And after that, it's a journey of growth. It's a journey of, you know, still certainly making some mistakes, but then being forgiven again, picking yourself up, walking down the path, and doing so with a friend. God wants to be our friend. He wants to be the leader of our life, but he also wants to be our friend, and that that still blows me away, you know, that that he would want that kind of relationship with us. Um, Wow. You've obviously seen lots of lives change, just like the story you shared with us before, and you're very passionate about... Uh, people becoming a part of the local church. A lot of people are disillusioned with the local church and don't go anymore. Um, Why should people go to church? Well, I certainly get that. You know, um, no church is perfect, including mine. Um, Church is filled with um, people who make mistakes and all the rest. But I think God designed church, and he really did. He said, this is sort of my plan, (laughs) that you would be in community with some other folks because he knew that we shouldn't try to navigate life alone. And even though we don't get it right much of the time, I think when we come into these little communities and we begin to learn how to say I'm sorry to each other, learn how to support each other, to show up when each other needs help, um, it can be a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, it's messy. (laughs) It doesn't always look right. But um, the bigger picture, I believe, is that church can be a place of great joy, acceptance. It should be a place where we feel like we belong. And uh, if your church doesn't seem like that, or if you can't find one, uh, I'd say be part of the solution. Get in there and try to make it a little better. And for the church 
people that are listening now that are thinking, hang on, my church is so out of touch and I really would like to introduce drama and dance and video and get more creative like Willow is, what would, you, what would your advice be to them? Well, I think we have to say, what are the um, tools that, first of all, what are the resources we already have? Um, I bet most churches, even small churches, have more gifted people sitting out there than they realize. So find out what you've got to work with, and then begin to build on that. And, um, you know, use each art form only as often as you can do it well. Um, you know, don't try to do everything every week. Uh, that's probably going to be too tall in order for the for the start. But begin to build on what you have, and also begin to create a culture that's open to artists and that welcomes artists and uh, i think over time gradually over time excellence will attract excellence um, and by relationship people will be added to the team and you'll be begin to see some real changes is there some favorite life-changing books you'd like to recommend to us oh gosh i have a lot of life-changing books um most of the life-changing books would probably be um non-fiction one of my favorite writers is uh, a man named frederick beekner um b-u-e-c-h-n-e-r he writes both fiction and non-fiction but he's a man of faith and he's very honest about his faith journey i really appreciate his writing appreciate the writing of uh, philip yancey um I think he's written some excellent books. He's very honest. And uh, currently I am reading a book by Gordon MacDonald. Um, he wrote a classic about 20 years ago called Ordering Your Private World. And now I'm reading one called The Resilient Life, um, his most recent book that I think is is destined to be uh, possibly another classic. Um, so I really enjoy him. Um, I'm sure after this interview I will think of about six other authors that aren't jumping to my head right now, but those are the ones that I thought of. God bless you, Nancy. You certainly are a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us, History Makers. For more information, you can go to historymakersradio.com. You can download any of our interviews and also an opportunity for you to make a donation. History Makers is brought to you by newhopeaustralia.org. History Makers.